0: You are listening to episode 21. This episode is brought to you by my new one-on-one coaching program, how to dominate LinkedIn with your personal brand. In the coaching sessions with me, I will show you how to optimize your LinkedIn profile so that you stand out to your target audience and you give them the messages that you want them to hear so that you attract the customers that you want and deter the ones that you really don't. Secondly, we're going to look at strategic connections and how to get those connections, how to get those high ticket clients that you are looking for. And we're going to also join strategic groups. Thirdly, we're gonna work together and figure out your branding and your content strategy so that whether you are with me or whether you move on, you will have a strategy in place that is effective and efficient and dynamic to attract your prospects. And finally, we're gonna work together on goals and objectives to make sure you are hitting those monthly goals and objectives for the next year. And if you're more of a DIYer, I am actually starting a wait list to create a class with these core principles in place as well, so that you can learn as you go and do it yourself. If you want more information about this, I have a link for it in the show notes. And now we'll go back to the show. Adam Mendler is on a mission to create better, more resonant leaders by distilling lessons learned as an entrepreneur and CEO building three successful businesses in three different industries, and from interviewing hundreds of America's top leaders. He is an accomplished writer and contributor in the pages of Forbes, Inc., and Thrive Global, covering various topics of how to manage leaders, especially managing millennials and Gen Z. You will not want to miss this episode. Welcome to the OkiKi podcast, where we make inspirational people known.
1: Brought to you by your host Fiona Bayan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Okiki Podcast, and I wanted to uh, introduce you to an awesome guest that I am just getting the pleasure to really meet this year. Uh, His name is Adam Mendler, and he really focuses on helping leaders manage their employees better, just to be better leaders in general, because he talks about how people don't leave their work, really, they leave people. And his articles have actually been picked up by Forbes and Thrive Global. So, and he is actually starting his own podcast very soon. So I'm very excited to have him on the podcast today. And thank you so much, Adam, for being here.
2: Thank you. Really excited to be here and um, can't wait to dive right in. So whatever you want to ask.
1: Awesome. Well, can you tell me a bit about your career path? How did you find yourself in this position where you're actually coaching other leaders in this specific area?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And um, one of the things that I've learned over the course of my career is that it's virtually impossible to chart your career path. I think that when you first get started, whether that's you know, getting started as a student or getting started right after college, you have a vision for what your career is going to look like. But Mm
3: -hmm. very
2: few of us actually have the career that we thought we would have. So it's really important to just keep an open mind and be flexible and take the opportunities that come to you and make the most of them. So in the case of my career, my first job out of college was working for the largest hedge fund in the world. I worked for a company called D.E. Shaw. They were, um, at the time, literally the biggest hedge fund out there. Hmm. And I moved to New York. I'm an L.A. native. I moved across the country, took a job working there. And um, after about two and a half years, went back to school, got my MBA, worked a little bit in the entertainment industry while I was getting my MBA, interned at Universal Pictures and William Morris Endeavor. And then went back into finance, working for another really, really large institution. This time it was Credit Suisse, uh, so huge investment bank. I was working in their private banking division, and um, I was 28 years old when I realized that it was really the right time in my life, personally and professionally, to try something a little bit different and. I felt like if there was ever the right moment to do something entrepreneurial, it was that point in time. So I walked away from my career and started the Veloz Group, which is the parent company for my different businesses. Hmm. Started Mm -hmm. that with my brother. Over the years, we've built out three different businesses. So we've built out a company called Beverly Hills Chairs. It's the leading seller of refurbished Herman Miller Aeron Chairs and other high-end luxury chairs in the country. So we sell premium office chairs at deeply discounted pricing. That's one of our businesses. We have another company called Custom Tobacco. If you go to customtobacco.com, you can create fully customized private label cigars Mm -hmm. uh, in real time. We started a software consulting business. So we started these different businesses. And on the side, I kind of stumbled into this, really passion uh kind of rare that you stumble into a passion but in my case i did i started writing articles that got picked up initially by huffington post and then by forbes and then by inc and um just really started writing about my experiences and my advice and my thoughts around leadership management business entrepreneurship marketing and Loved it, just absolutely loved it. And um, when you find something that you're passionate about, when you find something that you love, when you find something that you feel uh, not only gives you personal fulfillment, but that you believe can make a real impact in the lives of other people, you double down and you triple down.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's what I started doing. And I started spending more and more of my time focusing on how I can help other people and help you know give back in this way and um, it's really manifested itself in the form of building and training more effective leaders how can we really shape the next generation of leaders in a way that empowers not only great leaders but empowers those who are impacted by great leaders which is the entire workforce so For me, it's something that obviously has tremendous impact and uh, is an area of passion for me. So I know I gave you a very long winded answer, and I apologize for doing that. But uh, as you can tell, it's something that excites me tremendously.
1: (laughs) No, I actually love it because I love to hear people's journey of like how they got to that place because I feel like what you do is so specific and also like so necessary, of course. And so, I guess in your field, how do you kind of, how have you kind of gone about then trying to, I guess, convince people in leadership, um, CEOs, that this is something that they might want to take a little more seriously? Uh, Did you find that to be kind of like a steep, I guess, kind of opposite of learning curve, like educational curve? Like, did you have to really like kind of prove why this is important to Uh, Leaders, as you kind of got more into this field?
2: I think that if leaders don't want to get better, and I think that if leaders don't want to understand how they can improve at positively impacting the lives of the people they lead, they shouldn't be leading.
0: They really Mm -hmm. aren't
2: leaders. They might be leaders in title, but they really are not true leaders. There's a Mm -hmm. difference between a manager and a leader. So anyone who's a leader wants to become a better leader. Anyone who's a leader is interested in learning about leadership and is interested in learning about how to take their leadership skills to the next level. So what I found is that those who truly lead are truly interested in the content that I put out there and are interested in whatever it is that I'm putting out next.
1: Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, and would you say that their interest in uh, leadership development, do you feel like that's something you've seen grown over the last couple of years, growing, sorry, um, over the last couple of years, that interest in that field specifically or in uh, leaders wanting to develop themselves? Or do you feel like it's kind of been like this consistent thing since, I guess, leadership development started?
2: <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't wanna say how old I am, I, I never liked doing that. I'm like uh, my grandmother and my aunt who never disclosed their age. And when they do,
3: they disclose <laughs> a fake age. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Self,
2: maybe I'm a little bit self-conscious about getting older.
3: <laughs>
2: I think we all are. But um, as long as I can remember, I've always been into the topic of leadership and I've read books on leadership. I remember going back to college and reading books written by the leading academics of the day, Warren mm-hmm. Bettis, who was a professor at USC when I was a student there. Stephen Sample, who was the president of USC, wrote a book called The Contrarian's Guide to Leadership.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I've always read books that if they weren't about leadership and title, had some connection and applicability to leadership and had value to leaders. So it's been an area of passion for me as long as I've been, as long as I can remember, really. So it's a hard question for me to answer. All I can say, again, is that whenever you find yourself interested in the subject, you get really interested in it because you realize just how important it is because it's not purely a matter of improving your own performance and improving your own efficacy. Mm -hmm. It's improving the performance and the efficacy of everyone around you.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to say too, recently, I've gotten more interested in that. And I actually purchased a book called How Women Rise by uh, Sally Helgeson. And it was really cool because it talked about leadership Um, and some of the hangups that women have when it comes to leadership, because uh, I guess we kind of have different weaknesses in a sense. (laughs) And so, yeah, I guess um, even on that, do you find like for your leadership training, have you worked obviously with like males and females and have you found you've had to like approach it differently um, when you're teaching them how to develop as better leaders?
2: I really don't like to generalize. Mm -hmm. I really don't like to stereotype.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I think that the world stereotypes for us. There are lots of stereotypes that are out there and I try to do whatever I can not to play a role in reinforcing them. So yes, there are stereotypes out there about strengths and weaknesses that men have and that women have. And Really what I try to do is I try to put forth what I believe are best practices
3: Mm -hmm. in leadership,
2: whether you're male or female, what are things that you should be doing and thinking about and implementing to become a better leader, to make the people around you better, to make your team better, to move your organization forward. And not, not to say that there isn't a place for content that specifically caters toward women or toward men,
3: but I try to uh, I try to focus my content
2: toward everyone. And what I found is that if you treat people like people, and not like a, a gender or a color or a sexual orientation or whatever other, um, you know, whatever other uh, label that uh, is so commonly used to—I uh, don't, I don't want to say divide people, but um, I just try to stay off of labels and instead, again, try to really hone in on what are things that any one of us can do to become better leaders tomorrow.
1: Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting point too. Yeah. And I think um, that actually makes sense too. I know with, so that book particularly that I read, she had co-written it with Marshall Goldsmith and he wrote the book triggers, which is about leadership. And um, I think that their inspiration was the fact that he noticed that like 80% of the people he worked with and the examples he had in that book were um, male. And they were just trying to like, see if there's a balance in between the two. But at the same time, they even mentioned like, obviously these are like general things we see, but not everyone fits these stereotypes. So that's a good thing to point out as well.
3: (laughs)
2: Yeah, because I've given it thought in the past and I've thought about, are things that I'm saying and advocating for applicable specifically to men or to women or is there um, a style of leadership that works for this group and doesn't work for that group and the answer to me is no Mm -hmm,
3: and mm -hmm. I think
2: the challenges that men face are you know similar to the challenges that women face and yes there are challenges that women face that are largely unique to women but 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 that isn't to say that if you shift the way you look at them and think about them, that you can't find them to be relatable.
3: Mm-hmm,
1: um, mm-hmm. If
2: you're a man leading in some way, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, I wrote an article, I forget if it was in Forbes or in Inc, but I wrote an article that was titled, why, I'll tell you what the original uh, topic, original um Line that I wrote was, and then it got changed by editorial. But
3: mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. original
2: title was "Why Bringing Your Baby to the Office Is Good for Business," and I okay. think it was changed to "Why a Little Bit of Flexibility for New Parents Is Good for Your Office" or something
1: along. Those oh, okay.
2: Lines. And um, my argument was really that, as an employer, as a leader, we should be highly accommodative of mothers who uh you know have newborn babies mm-hmm. but it could just as well be that we should be accommodative of fathers who have newborn babies
3: mm-hmm. and
2: in my article i don't even think i specified that it was mothers because the same idea and the same argument that i made that you know the same reasoning behind it that i think it's really important to first and foremost treat your people like people Mm -hmm. not treat your people like commodities, Right. Um, not to baby your employees, but to really treat your employees with respect Mm -hmm. and to give your employees rope and leeway. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I laid out a bunch of other reasons why I thought it was important to give your employees really the the, um, flexibility to make the decision to bring their baby to work. And I, I get that it's not for every organization. For my organization, we have a culture where it works. Mm
3: -hmm. But
2: that principle is applicable whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're a male leader or a female leader, whether you're a mom or a dad. And Mm -hmm. that's just how I think about leadership.
1: Very interesting. And I was going to say, too, uh, do you mind then telling us because I know you have your lessons um, from top leaders uh, in light of how you share those leadership. Um, yeah. In, in light of how you share those leadership structures and, and lessons and ideals with people, what are some of the lessons that you've come across um, over your time in studying this field?
2: Sure. So thanks for bringing that up. And it was something that uh, I didn't mention in my very long and um, unruly answer to your first question, which was how I really got started on, you know, getting into um, this area and and going super deep on the topic of leadership. But uh, as I started writing in Forbes and in Inc. and Huffington Post and in these different places about leadership, I started an interview series simultaneously called Lessons in Leadership. Mm. And it's published in Thrive Global. And To date, I've done over 300 interviews with America's top leaders. So, um, you alluded to the series. So, just to give listeners a little bit more color, the idea really is that I have my own experiences from leading different businesses, from leading hundreds of millennials, from leadership outside of my business life, leading volunteer organizations. You know, but that's me. That's my own personal experience. And what I really wanted to do was, I really wanted to create something that would be a way to capture the greatest insight and wisdom from the best leaders out there. So I put together the series where I've interviewed leading CEOs, founders, celebrities, athletes influencers, generals, admirals, Mm -hmm. people who have experienced success, who have led at the highest levels. And one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from all these interviews is that leadership is universal and the principles that comprise great leadership
3: are universal. So The same way that, in the same way that uh, one
2: would learn how to effectively lead a large organization, the same things that you need to do to lead a huge company, you need to do to lead a startup company, you need to do to lead a sports team, you need to do to lead a nonprofit organization, to lead a unit in the battlefield. These principles. Are interchangeable,
3: and um, that's been extremely interesting to me.
1: Very cool. Yeah. So there's kind of this, uh, I guess, those themes across like all those sectors of what it takes to actually be a good leader. And uh, I guess in your experiences of working with leaders, what do you think are some of the biggest obstacles um, that they face uh interpersonally to become that leader that they want to be
2: it's a tremendous question i think <laughs> the first thing and this is the first obstacle and perhaps the biggest obstacle before you can effectively lead others you need to be able to have leadership of your own life
3: mm. mm-hmm.
2: You need to understand yourself. You need to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. You need to feel comfortable in your own skin.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And then you can develop a leadership philosophy that you really believe in. So I think that obstacle number one really is you and not taking the time
3: to really reflect on who you are What are you at your core? What defines you?
2: And once you're able to do that true introspection and are able to really feel comfortable with yourself and comfortable in your own skin, you're ready to begin your leadership journey.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. (laughs) That's very true because obviously if you're not working on yourself, um, you you can't really lead others to that place. You can't really um, inspire them. I think people. I'm I'm assuming you agree that when people follow leaders, they're following that person. And so um, if that person isn't becoming someone um, that they could really admire um, within themselves, that would kind of affect their ability to do that well, uh, for sure. Definitely. And and in terms of then. And this is me asking from, (laughs) you know, an outside perspective, because I'm just kind of getting into learning more about leadership coaches and all the people that are out there, you know, and I think leadership too, like there's so many big names. Like, I think obviously there's like, you know, John Maxwell and like, uh, you know, Simon Sinek talking about knowing your why. Uh, What do you feel that you bring uh, to the industry that's unique and different uh, in this? kind of this leadership sphere that's happening right now?
2: I really don't try to compare myself to other people. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I really just try to give the best that I can. Mm -hmm. And I think that in general, um, everyone should try to become their best self. Mm
3: -hmm. We shouldn't
2: compare ourselves to other people. We shouldn't look to others and say, how can I become this person or that person or emulate that person's level of success. Mm
3: -hmm. I think we
2: need to, again, look inward and understand who we are and what we are and what we have to contribute and Mm -hmm. really do our best to be our best. Mm
1: -hmm. So that's
2: what I aspire to do
3: each and every day.
1: Awesome. And I guess what initiatives then have you taken to kind of create your space uh, in this industry? As a kind of like a go-to person in relation to how you said you're kind of just carving your own um, name, your own brand, your own kind of, uh, I guess, curriculum around this. How did you, what initiatives have you taken, I guess, to build that?
2: So the first thing I started doing was writing articles and just taking my ideas and putting them out there. So I've written over 70 articles that have been published across these different brand name magazines. Um, I then started this uh, interview series, which we spoke a little bit about, Lessons in Leadership. Done over 300 of these one-on-one interviews. Uh, My most recent project has been the podcast, which uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. So my podcast went live, just launched it. And um, the name of the show is 30 Minute Mentors. So you can find that at 30 minutementorscom You can also awesome. go to my website, com. There's a lot of leadership content on there. I also have a leadership blog on com. But really, the idea behind 30 Minute Mentors is to take the lessons in leadership series to the next level. Because at the end of the day, lessons in leadership has been a really good starting point for me in taking the viewpoints of all these great leaders and putting them out there. But the podcast really gives me an opportunity to go deep. It's Mm -hmm. a 30-minute conversation. Each episode is a 30-minute conversation with a different top leader. So I have interviews with Fortune 500 CEOs, founders of multi-billion-dollar companies, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: stars of number one TV shows, people who have authoritative perspectives on leadership. And I try to go really deep with them on how they got there, so how they got to the top. But more importantly, insights and advice, really tangible, practical advice for listeners on how they can get to the top too. So the subtitle of the show is Leaders to Listen to. So the idea really is pooling the best group of mentors out there, making them accessible to listeners and then distilling useful advice that listeners can then act on and enable themselves to get to that next level.
1: That's awesome. And, and congratulations on the launch as well. That's Thank uh, you. great to hear. I'm always looking it. for more podcasts to tune into, especially, um, podcast with uh, entrepreneurs and leaders. So definitely tune into that. And (laughs) yeah, and I wanted to ask you too, uh, if you could, you know, let's say there's a young uh, millennial or high school student listening to this right now, and uh, they're thinking of really getting into leadership. Like, I guess if you could even go back in time and talk to your younger self about yeah. that, and like what would you tell him based on all those lessons you've learned, all those interviews you'd had to really like help him to really start his leadership journey?
2: So firstly, I wouldn't say him. It, it's him or her because uh, at the end of the day, any one of us can become a great leader and um the first thing that i just to reiterate my earlier point before you can effectively lead others you need to really understand yourself so i always tell people that first and foremost and and this is you know if there's one thing that hopefully listeners can take away from the, this episode it's this i'm a very big believer that most people in life are bad at most things. I personally, I know that I'm the guest of the show this week and I'm billed as an expert, I'm billed as a leadership expert, but to those who know me, I'm actually bad at way too many things that I can even list. If I had to list everything that I was bad at, I would probably not only take up the rest of this episode, but I would probably take up the rest (laughs) of the month of your show to list everything that I'm bad at. But I think that we're all good at a few things. Mm -hmm. But even more importantly, there's that one thing that makes each of us special. And my main message to everyone, whether you're a high school student, whether you're in your 50s, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter at what level you are in your career. But take the time to really figure out what is it about you that makes you special what is your superpower what makes you unique what makes you different what makes you the kind of person that has the capacity to be an exceptional leader that answer is going to be different for you than it will be for me and it's not going to be an easy answer it's going to require a lot of time and energy and effort and introspection Mm -hmm. Take the time to do it. It's an exercise that everyone
3: can benefit greatly from. And hopefully every person listening will take the time to do.
1: Awesome. Yeah, thank you for that sound advice. And I wanted to ask you too, what do you value the most about your role now? um, What you get to do with people and building them up?
3: I mean, what do I not value? I
2: I love the opportunity to make an impact and to make a positive impact in the lives of others. And I think it really kind of comes down to what is your definition of success? What does success mean to you? And, you know, that's another thing that I talk about when I give speeches. And it's something that I, um, you know, really try to do a lot of. What matters to you most and why? Mm
3: -hmm. Now,
2: for you, again, that could be very different than it is for me. And there's no right answer, but it's important to have an answer. It's important to have a thorough understanding of what your goals are, what is your end game. And for me, the ability to make a tremendous difference in the lives of leaders. And in turn, in the lives of all the people
3: who leaders lead, cannot be more rewarding or fulfilling. Hmm. And uh, I just wanted
1: to ask you, too, in your opinion, um, what is, yeah, what is kind of your hope that you would see in leadership? In, in, in the future, in the days to come? What is kind of your hope that you'd begin to see in, in leadership in different sectors that you'd, you, you'd be excited about?
2: Great question. I hope for a kinder, gentler, softer, warmer form of leadership. I think that the style of leadership that was effective years ago, the Bobby Knight style of leadership, the style of leadership that involves a leader pounding on the table and yelling and screaming and leading through fear and
3: intimidation doesn't work anymore. It's not effective. Mm. I don't think that, that, and again, it's
2: not just um, from my own personal experience. Sure. From my own personal experience, I feel very strongly about it and I can tell you, anecdotes about uh you know stories about why my style of leadership is the way that i believe leaders should uh, adopt but okay. more importantly i've interviewed over 300 of america's top leaders yeah. and one after another after another across every industry you can think of from yeah. tech to finance to leaders of sports teams generals admirals the message is the same. Uh-huh. To effectively lead others, you need, and you, you were the one who said this, you need them to want to be led by you.
3: Uh-huh. You need them
2: to want to be there. You need to get buy-in. You can't force someone to perform for you. They have to want to perform for you. And that's becoming only more acute with the new generation of workers, with millennials and Gen Z. And I really, really hope that anyone listening and everyone listening adopts this message because not only will we have better people and better workers and better organizations from a financial perspective, from a bottom line perspective, but we'll have better people and we'll have kinder and warmer people. And I think that's just a win all the way around.
1: That's awesome. And uh, I guess it's kind of uh, my last question before I let you um, kind of give our audience more insights about what you're kind of working on and what you're up to. But in relation to that, what you hope to see, and you talked about the millennials, I know that in the workplaces, and I see a lot of articles on LinkedIn that are discussing this and how Um, You know, (laughs) there's this tension, it seems, between, you know, the millennial generation and the other generations in terms of people's expectations of one another. Um, How do you think, yeah, how do you think leadership with the millennials might actually um, change things in terms of leadership style? And uh, what do you think are some of the positives and negatives you're seeing with, with that generation? Which I could say I'm also part
2: of. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a millennial too. I'm an old millennial. Yes. And I think that it will only change leaders for the better. Because Mm -hmm. I think, just to reiterate the point that I made previously, I think that it will force leaders to become better in the way that they lead. It will force leaders to. Actually, inspire and actually connect and actually relate to the people who they lead because that's what millennials demand. Mm-hmm. And if you mm-hmm. want millennials to work in your organization, you need to you need to lead them effectively. And um, and I think that's a good thing. I believe yeah. in the marketplace of ideas and in the best ideas winning.
3: And to me, this is one of them.
1: That's awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Adam, for your time and all your sound wisdom. And I just wanted to give you a chance to um, talk about to the audience, uh, where they can find you and uh, your upcoming projects. Of course, you just released your podcast. Uh, is there any other projects that you'd like to share uh, with the audience today and where they can learn more about leadership from you?
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So. Um... First and foremost, feel free to check out my website. It's adamendler.com. There's a lot of good content on there. You can find all of my podcasts on there. You could also go to 30minutementors.com, which uh, has my podcast, the podcast again, being 30 Minute Mentors. You can follow me on social media, at Adam Mendler. so at Adam Mendler on Twitter, at Adam Mendler on Instagram. Try to make it easy. So you know,
3: just Adam Mendler. Yeah,
2: and um, if you say something, I don't know what what the what is the magic number? How many times do you need to say something before people remember it? Adam Mendler, Adam Mendler. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, that's uh, a conversation for a different episode. If you ever want to talk
1: about marketing, for sure. <laughs> awesome! Oh, thank you so much again. And I know the audience. Um, has probably gotten so much value out of this. I know I have. And I really appreciate that you took the time to be on the show. So thank you again, Adam.
3: Thank
2: you. pleasure was mine. Thank you for having me.
1: Awesome.